Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing WAIO in your Play Store. Today I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes about the sound of freedom. The sound of freedom. When we blow this show far, we don't realize it, but after today you'll know a revelation about the sound of freedom. The scriptures declare in Psalm 89 and 15, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Can we reread that? Blessed, somebody say blessed. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. That's translated sound of shofar. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. What does that mean? In your favor, in your blessed state. This is a very interesting scripture if you understand it. In short, the psalmist is telling us there is a certain joyful sound that is of such powerful significance, it's the very foundation of victorious living. And if you know and understand this sound, you will be changed from glory to glory. All who know the meaning of the joyful sound become self-assured, fearless. They walk through life with an ever-increasing sense of security. They're able to overcome depression even when being sifted by Satan. Their hearts are steadfast and at rest because the Holy Spirit has revealed to them the meaning behind that joyful sound. Actually, they say those who have a revelation, next slide, of the joyful sound will wake up every day with peace, strength, and happiness. Their life will be filled with the joy of the morning sun. Touch three people say, I want to live that life. Come on, tell them, I want to live that life. This whole principle, if you will, of this sound, this joyful sound. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, who have a revelation of what this means. Blessed are those people. Blessed are those people who understand and know what this sound means. They will walk in your favor and in your countenance. The foundation is built in Leviticus 25, and it's based on our Sabbaths. And I'll teach you here just for five or six minutes let me show you Leviticus 25, 3 and 4. Six years thou shalt, show, shalt, shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. You say, what in the world does that mean to us? Well, this was an agricultural nation. And they lived agriculturally. And so God comes on the scene to them and he tells them something interesting. He said, look, six years, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sow, reap, sow and reap and gather the harvest. And this is how you're going to be provided for. And God did it. God sent bountiful rains, gave them seed to sow, bread to eat. And historically, we see God's supernatural provision in their life and it worked. But he came on and he said, now wait a minute. At the end of six years, I don't want you to do anything. Man, how about you like God to take... Hey, don't want you to do anything seventh year, just take your rest. Well, we get happy, but if you ain't got no paycheck, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind taking a year off either, but they were taking a year off and there were no paycheck. Because if you didn't sow, you didn't reap. 
Not only did you not reap that year because you had to let the land rest that year, then you had to wait to sow the next year and you didn't get to reap till the night. So it's three years, basically, that you had to trust God supernaturally. God made this promise to him. He said, if you'll do this and obey me, I'll give you a triple blessing the sixth year that'll last you all the way to the ninth year. Now, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as believers today? Well, I believe the Lord's saying something important here, and this is it. No matter what our circumstance, He always provides for those who trust and obey Him. Think for a moment about all the ways God provided for the needs of His people throughout history. Israel in the wilderness had no supermarkets or grocery stores, wasn't even a blade of grass in sight, but God rained down manna from heaven so people would have bread. Caused birds to fall by the bushel from the sky so they'd have meat, and caused water to gush from a rock so they would drink in plenty. He supernaturally kept their shoes and clothing intact. For 40 years, it says their shoes didn't wear out. Now, I don't know about you, but 40 years with the same pair of shoes didn't wear out. You may be out of fashion, but you're still going. You know what I'm talking about? Supernaturally providing. In the Old Testament, we read a hungry prophet got fed by a raven. A barrel of meal and a barrel and a bottle of oil supernaturally replenished themselves. An entire enemy army fled upon hearing a strange noise, leaving behind enough supplies to feed a starving city of Israelites. In the New Testament, we read water was turned into wine. Money was found in a fish's mouth to pay taxes. 5,000 people were fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. All these miracles cry out to us. They say God is faithful. God can be trusted. They speak to us to say, God is good, God shall provide, and the universe is friendly. God wants you to understand the abundance in God. God's not stingy. God, the, the universe is not stingy. There's actually plenty for everything. There's plenty for everyone to go around. But we get a mentality through the deception of the enemy to think there's not going to be enough. When in, all, when in all reality, God gave us all these examples in the Scripture to prove to us He is always more than enough and has plenty for everything we need if we can just get out of our mindset and believe Him for it. And so it gets exciting to see that. I got excited when I saw, when I hear testimonies. I was at Longhorn again. You may want to go there today. God must be at Longhorn. I, I, <laughs> let there be meat in my house, he said. You know, at Longhorn, same night, a young couple walked up to Bev and I. I mean, you could see the countenance of God on them, beaming with light. He testified to us how God had so blessed them in the last few years here at Word Alive. By honoring God with first fruits, that the first time in their life they own their own home. Hey, paid for. Right? Now, now I understand that you're not rejoicing like they were because it won't your home. You know, I understand it. But I think here's another principle. If we rejoice with somebody else when they get theirs, and God, come on, God will give us our own, right? Just another testimony of God, God's abundance. But see, let's just pause there a minute. You know, there's people here this morning, and you, here's your mentality. You're going to pay a mortgage all your life. No, yes, yes. Because it's just what we know. We just know this is the way you do it. You finance it, you pay it for 30 years, and you're done. But what if we just said, wait a minute. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. What if we start praying some radical prayers? I'm not saying he's going to pay your house off. 
I'm just saying, why don't we start praying some radical prayers? I'm not promising you God's going to pay your house off. I'm just saying, what if? What if we start saying, God, could you pay our house off? Not in 30 years, but in five. Or 10 even. You see what I'm saying? Just to start thinking different, to start changing the mindset, believing that God does have an abundance. If you, if you Once you get the revelation of this, it'll help you start thinking differently that God could do exceedingly abundantly above all that we've been asking or thinking if we just realize the work that's already been accomplished. If he can provide for Israel in the wilderness, not sowing nor reaping, and supply their needs for three years with no labor on their part, I'm telling you, the God that we serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think. So touch two or three people and say, pray some big prayers in this season. Tell them, pray some big prayers in this season. Now, here's where it gets more exciting, and we'll, and we'll hurry quickly. Got to get to Longhorn. Every cycle of this six years, which is seven years, seven sevens in the Bible were what they called a jubilee. So seven of these seven cycles that they would go through where God supplied their needs supernaturally, God instituted a law called jubilee. Leviticus 25.9 says, Thou shalt, then thou shalt, King James is getting me today. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound. That's the shofar. On the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. That's the day I told you that's coming up. And you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. That's what we're doing these 40 days. We're releasing that sound throughout all the land. Now I'm going to tell you, this is going to explain to you why we're doing it. Because every 7-7 seven, seven was a year of jubilee. Every 49th year threw Israel into a year of Jubilee. What happened on the year of Jubilee? You shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty. Somebody shout liberty. Throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof, it shall be a Jubilee unto you. And you shall return every man his possessions. And you shall return every man unto his family. Every man gets his stuff back, and every man gets his family back. Come on now, somebody. Why is that important? In this culture, there was a law instituted because there was no such thing as bankruptcy. There was no such thing as, as dealing with debt that way. If you became indebted and could not pay your debts back, then by law... Someone could come to you and demand that you or your family be sold into slavery to pay the debt off. So in other words, your children, because you were in debt, could be taken and work to work the fields of another man's property until you paid the debt off. Your wife could be taken from you under law and put into another man's household to do the cooking and the cleaning and the washing and whatever, whatever women did in those ages until your debt was paid off. You, yourself, could have to go and work for another man and be taken away from your wife and children to go pay your debts off. So that was the system of the day, indebtedness and slavery. But on the 50th year, 
God instituted a law and said these words. No matter how big your debt is, no matter how many years you are away from paying it off, and no longer how long, no matter how long you've been in slavery to somebody else, on the 50th year, on the Day of Atonement, this trumpet will make a significant sound. And when it does, be it known unto all people, this sound means this. Everybody's debts are forgiven. Everybody in bondage goes free. Come on, somebody. Now, needless to say, the trumpet's blaring was a joyful sound to every servant, prisoner, and disenfranchised person throughout the land. It signaled the end of all bondage and a new start in life when this trumpet sounded. Every 50 years, everybody got to go free. Now, how the people waited in long to hear that joyful sound. It meant having the freedom to say nothing in my past can be held against me. I've been unshackled, delivered, and no one can rob me of my inheritance. This sound, the joyfulness of it, the power of it, and it wasn't some vague theological thought. It was law. And those that heard it, you could be in another man's field working all of a sudden. When you heard that sound, see y'all later. <laughs> Gone. Because they knew, they were trained, they understood the joyful sound. What's interesting, it wasn't some random thing. They knew this time of year, so it wasn't like just one day the sound would take them unaware. They knew we're coming up on New Year, we're coming up on Tabernacles. I'm waiting. And when that sound happened, everybody went free. Now, here's where it gets exciting. Jesus is your jubilee. We don't have to wait for the next 50-year run. If you're in Jesus, every year is a jubilee year. Come on, somebody. And to those, to those who understood this joyful sound, they knew the language used for our Messiah's victories. Because in Isaiah it says something like this. He has sent me to proclaim liberty. Come on now. To proclaim liberty to the captives. That's those in debt. And the opening of the prison. That's those who those were slaves. To them that are bound. And proclaim. Come on now. The acceptable year of the Lord. In other words. Everybody. Ali Ali income free. Everybody gets out. Everybody gets free. Everybody gets loose from their bodies. Everybody gets their debts paid. Everybody gets blessed. Touch two or three four people. Say I'm talking about everybody. Come on. Are you still tracking with me? So I'm not talking about some Hebraic thought, some random thought. I'm, I'm talking about something that Christ actually did. Now let me show you the picture really quick as we get ready to end. Psalm 68, 17 through 18 begins to explain this. It says the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. No, I was talking about God's angelic host. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. 
you have received gifts among me, and even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. What's this talking about? This is talking about the work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross, y'all remember the story between two thieves? What did he say? Today you will be with me in, that's not heaven, that's hell. Paradise was the underworld. And it's where the saints were being kept, held there, until the work of the Messiah was complete. That's why it says in the scripture, when Jesus died on the cross, before he ascended, he descended. And the Bible says when he went there, Jesus went to hell and preached Isaiah 61. The Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Come on. The opening of doors to those who are in prison. And he preached in hell, Bible says, and defeated Satan and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If your Jesus and your Messiah holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave, who in the world are you to be afraid of of what man can do unto you? Because your king has the keys. Now, the reason to tell you that is not just to excite you, it's so that you get a victory mindset. Jesus just didn't barely defeat Satan. He didn't just slip through. He destroyed the works of the enemy. You say, well, why is he so active? Because he's deceived you to make you think he's still powerful when he's really not. How does he do it? Circumstances, lies, voices, all lies, father of all lies, to try to make you believe what you see instead of what you know. So i got to show you that this, this wasn't just a small victory. It was massive. The chariots of God are 20,000 upon thousands upon thousands. In uh, Psalm 47.5, God has gone up with a shout. With the sound of the shofar. So let me show you what happened. Jesus goes to hell. This, I love just talking about that. That Jesus goes and preaches. What was his message? Hell no. <laughs> that was his preaching. Hell no. <laughs> paraphrase. That's paraphrase. Paraphrase. He preaches the gospel with all the demons and creatures and all that world that the, all the religious people try to make you afraid of. He preaches in the midst of it. That shows me, that's why it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He marches out of hell. Victorious. And he leads captivities captive. 
And they marched straight out of hell. The Bible actually says people were seen in Jerusalem that had been dead for years and just knocked on their neighbor's door in and out of the possessions. They just want to let you know we're passing through Jerusalem. And he says, in this culture, if the, if the, when the Bible's written, it's the New Testament points this out very powerfully. Colossians said he, he defeated the principalities and powers through the cross and made a show of them openly. What does that mean? He marched through the spirit realm and through the heavens to heaven. In these marches, there were two people, two groups that marched, the victorious ones, but also the defeated ones had to march. And they would burn incense. New Testament talks about this. And to those who won, it was a smell of victory. To those who were, de- who, to those who didn't, de- who were defeated, it was a smell of defeat. That's why you don't understand how powerful your worship is. When you offer up worship on Sunday morning, it releases a smell in the spirit. And to, what does it re- To those who've been victorious, the angels in the accompaniment of the church, God, it's a sound. And it reminds the devil, you have been defeated at the cross of Calvary. So don't think you're just singing some random song with Davy in his holy jeans and his hat turned backwards. It's not, it ain't nothing about that. It's about releasing a fragrance and anointing in the atmosphere, not just for Word Alive, for everybody in our region, reminding the heavens Christ is victorious in all realms of life. Marches straight out of hell, marches straight into heaven. I'll be talking about this in the days ahead on Yom Kippur. Applies his own blood. Not with the blood of an animal. Not with the blood of a goat, but with his own blood. And then it says he sat down. Said it is finished. (laughs) Sit at the right hand of the Father. Not just to rest, but to do a work. Because it says he's ever interceding on your behalf. So when we blow this sound of this shofar, we're not just doing some superstitious act or some random act. We're, we're proclaiming, we're decreeing the sound of freedom. See, Jesus is not going to heal you today. He's not going to provide for you today. He's not going to deliver you today. He's not going to bless your family today. He did it 2,000 years ago when he walked on the cross. The enemy will lie to you and make you think he is still all-powerful, but he's not. And when you release this sound, you're declaring in your atmosphere, Jesus is king. There's three blasts. Jesus is king. Number two, wake up and hear it. Number three, the enemy's defeated. And you remind everybody about it. Angels, demons, principalities, and you're declaring freedom. In your business, in your home, over your children. If your children don't don't live around you, blow it toward their state. Where's where's Florida? My sister, Boo, she got up this morning, blew her shofar on video and sent it to her kids in other states. Facebook. She said, hey, I'm blowing a shofar over y'all this morning. Come on. Come on. You say, well, that's foolish. Uh-huh, it is. If you don't believe this sound can release your children and grandchildren from everything that the devil's trying. Come on now.
God calls us to appropriate the freedom, the peace, and the glory that he's provided for us through the forgiveness of our sins. We have to appropriate it. It's done, but we appropriate it. The work's already been accomplished. But the Bible says we have to appropriate what's been accomplished for us through the power of our decrees, through our acts of faith. Understanding that Christ's victory over Satan and the dominion of sin is not a vague, confused theology. Satan is totally defeated. He cannot hold us prisoner. And Christ has freed us by his blood from every bondage. And now he sits on his throne with all power and authority offering us peace, joy, and freedom. That's the message of the kingdom. And so we're applying this because Galatians 5.1, our mission statement here at World Alive says, it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. Jesus' plan for your life is freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about blowing this for 40 days, your problem's going to go away. Actually, you start blowing this, you're going to have more problems. Because the enemy don't want you walking in this. What I, everybody wants to overcome, but they don't want anything to overcome. Everybody wants to be an overcomer, but don't. Right. And we probably don't understand what over. When I'm blowing this, I'm not trying to get a victory. I'm blowing this because I got a victory. I'm, I'm announcing victory. I'm not fighting for it. I'm announcing it. Jesus said you're more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Let me just give you a quick picture of that and then we'll get ready to release this sound. I I used to travel some with Evander Holyfield, boxer, heavyweight champion. He used to go to some of our crusades and stuff. And uh, he was uh, married to a a girl named Janice. This was the best picture I've ever seen. I think it was, I forget who he, it was Tyson, whoever bit his ear off. Was that the guy, that, that deal? He goes in, gets his ear bit off, but he wins, I don't know, 65 million, some ridiculous amount of money. And this preacher that was traveling with us gave us this great example. I loved it. He was talking about more than a conqueror. He said, when you go in to declare victory, you're not going to try to defeat someone. You're going in as the champion. In other words, you're already victorious. So the enemy may be coming trying to take it from you. And that may be the battle. But you're not trying to win it. It's already won. So his point was Evander walked in as the champion. He's not trying to get the belt. He's wearing the belt. Now, the, the, the enemy may be trying to take that from him in a war. But it ain't his. Because he's already the champion. So he tells a story. He said, and we know what happened. Evander goes in, gets his ear bit off, but not uninjured. Retains the championship. He said, he's a conqueror. He said, now his wife is at home. She didn't even fight the battle. But he brought home 65 million, and the next day she's shopping. He said, she more than a conqueror. <laughs> she what we call more than a conqueror. So I'm not saying you got to defeat Satan. He's already defeated. All you got to do is spin the, 
just spend the spoils that's already been won because you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gave his life to you. Somebody ought to get on your feet and give God some praise in this house today for the sound and the power of freedom being released to you in Jesus' name. Come on. Woo! Come on, David. Keep standing. If you can stand, now's the time to stand. We believe that the blessed are those. Touch two or three people on each side and say, we're talking about you now. Blessed are those who know the joyful sound. So now when you go home this week and you're either doing it on your app or you've got this shofar that you're, 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 you're blowing, you got a revelation now. You're, you're releasing, not trying to get the victory, you're declaring victory that's already won. And now your atmosphere begins to line up with this. And your atmosphere begins to recognize your faith and your declaration and your decree. And as you've been doing this this 40 days, it's been waking you up spiritually. It's been getting you ready. It's been moving you into Teshuvah, which is returning to God and repentance, if you will. But not the, not the uh, religious kind of repentance where you're sorry for your sin repentance. That, that's okay to be sorry for your sin. But that's not what Teshuvah is about. Teshuvah is about getting back on top. Repent means re, do it again, pent, the top, get back on top. Because what happens is in a year's period of time, sometimes we get knocked down. Sometimes we get messed up. Sometimes we make wrong choices and we get down here. God comes every year for 40 days and says, I'm ready to get you back on top again and get you ready to go back into another year. How good is God to intentionally come at you every year for 40 days saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm about to put you right back on top where you belong. Why, you are the head, not the tail. You shall be above, not beneath. It's God's plan. So now, when you release this sound this week through your, through your apps or through this, do it in faith, not to try to get the victory, but to say, I have the victory. And what I'm looking at will change. Because whatever I'm going through, I'm not looking at that. I'm declaring the victory of Christ that's already been won for freedom. It is for freedom he set you free. And freedom is being cancer free, debt free, addicted free. That's freedom. Freedom is not free from, there's a difference between suffering and struggling. If you're suffering, that means you ain't got a purpose. If you're struggling, that means you've got a purpose and you're making it through to the other side. You're not just sitting suffering. You're, you might be struggling, but you ain't suffering. Suffering's when you ain't, don't know where you're going and don't know why you're going through it. But struggling is, oh, I might be struggling now, but it's that struggle with that butterflies in that cocoon. Who knows on the other side of this, I'm going to get a pair of wings and I'm going to a whole nother level. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout freedom. freedom. Somebody shout freedom again. Freedom. So I'm going. This is David Yingling. I'm going to ask him. He 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 does a lot of study on this show. Far him and his family have been doing this for years. They relocated their whole family from Florida just to be a part of this church. 
relocated. They'll, them and their four kids packed their bags, sold their hats, said we're going to Coldwater to be a part of that church because God spoke to us to do that. And they've been here now. They're getting established. But they have some great teachings that we'll be introduced you to in the days ahead. His wife's in Honduras on the missions trip now. But David's a great, great man of God. And we're just going to ask him to release this sound of freedom of this shofar, blow it over us, and we just receive it. And we just receive the sound of it. And as soon as he's done, you'll hear him when he kind of winds it down. Then I want us to shout freedom. God has gone up with a shout with the sound of the trumpet. And we declare we are moving into freedom in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's lift our hands and get ready to receive it. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.